You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place because it's time to win with dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Hey, listeners, you are listening to Win With Dogs with Raquel, me, and I am delighted to be here again. Today, we are talking with a guest that we've had on the show before. Her name is Kat Martin. She is one of my top favorite friendly dog trainers in Nashville here. She just actually got voted Nashville Paws top trainer of 2009, and she has some great insight into doggy behavior. Uh, You may remember her from Episode 7 of Win With Dogs where we talked about deciphering doggies' body language. So if you want to refresh your memory on some of those, please listen to episode 7 and you can hear Kat go into town on that. But today we are going to be talking about the dominance theory and just what that entails exactly and other options of training, other more positive uh, reinforcement modes of training, which I personally believe in wholeheartedly. So hang tight. And we are going to get into the dominance theory of dog training with Kat Martin. Don't go away. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win With Dogs with me, Raquel Wynn, on Pet Life Radio. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging on. Again, we are talking today about dominance theory and actually, in a sense, debunking dominance theory. What is the dominance theory? We're going to let Kat Martin talk a little bit about that. Kat, welcome to the show again. Good to have you. Thanks, Raquel. It's good to be here. Good. So we're talking about the dominance theory, and I'd like to start out, Kat, talking about the history and maybe some of the misconceptions of the dominance theory. And people, for those of you who don't know what that is, the dominance theory is you know, being a little bit more aggressive in your dog training, you know, doing alpha rolls, making your dog roll on its back for you, ear pinching, neck grabbing to simulate a bite, kind of intimidation techniques, as I like to call them. And Kat, I don't personally believe in this, but I don't think that's the best way to go. Would you, (laughs) would you agree with that, that there are other better ways? Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, dominance theory is, uh, unfortunately, uh, kind of come back into the public mindset lately due to, um, you know, some trainers that are using those methods. Mm-hmm. And uh, most forward-thinking trainers, behaviorists, behavioral veterinarians all agree that dominance theory is outdated. It's it's an old school method of training dogs, and there are much more positive reward based methods that you can use with dogs that are just as effective. And you don't train it to the detriment of the dog. Psychologically, yes, psychologically, sure. and also yeah. physically. I mean, dominance theory can you can use methods with choke chains and alpha rolls that can put the dog in danger. There's documented cases of dogs who have been sat on by dominance theory trainers to keep them in a submissive position, and they've died in that position. <laughs> Oh, my God. I had a chocolate lab some years ago, and he was totally out of control and 130 pounds, (laughs) and he was awesome. So I got the help of a trainer, and he proceeded to put a choke chain on him, and he, you know, instructed me using really harsh, like, pull, pull that chain to get him to, you know, know you're serious. And I was in shock, and then he proceeded to smack the dog on the butt, my dog, And he said, oh, it's okay if you use like a newspaper because you're not directly hitting him with your own hand, which was totally crap in my mind, you know. But where where did the dominance theory even come from, the history of it? Yeah, in the in the 1940s um, and and somewhat in the 30s, there were some studies done with wolf packs. Mm -hmm. uh, And there were some behaviors that were observed in these wolf packs. And to be fair, these were not naturally occurring wolf packs. These were wolf packs that were captive wolf packs and so the behavior is always going to be different with an animal in captivity versus in the wild first of all second yeah. of all they were they were wolves that were not from a, a pack that they brought the whole pack out of the wild they brought wolves from different packs together so they also that you know flawed the studies too it polluted the group for sure right right because most packs are families it's you know mm-hmm. there's the male and the female and the offspring and then when the offspring get to a certain age they move on and form their own packs Mm-hmm. Um, but these these studies were very very small. They were they were you know done fifty years ago or more. And what happened is they saw some behaviors that they misinterpreted, um, right. such as and this is where in fact the alpha role came from. What actually will happen is a a more dominant member of a group of of wolves would kind of offer some corrective behavior to a subordinate member, and the subordinate member would then offer their muzzle low to the ground in what we call appeasement behaviors. Mm-hmm. And if there was a little bit more correction that went on, or if the the alpha 
wolf would, you know, had maybe pinned that muzzle or anything like that, then the, the other, the subordinate wolf would then roll on its back. It would roll on his back. Now, I understand that rolling on your back, that was like a survival thing. If I do not roll on my back, this guy might kill me. <laughs> was right. that kind of what was going through the, do- the little wolf's mind? <laughs> you well, know? To, some de- so to some degree, essentially what the subordinate wolf is saying is you are in charge. You yeah. know, I am agreeing with the fact that you are in charge. If mm-hmm. you didn't submit, yes, it would escalate into an actual fight. For me, I'm the kind of pup parent that is like, you know, okay, you can get on the couch. Yes, I want you to sleep with me. Yes, I'm going to cook for you. <laughs> so yes. for me, the whole, and alpha also, when you speak of alpha roles, alpha just doesn't mean, it doesn't mean physically dominant. It just means in charge of doling out resources and saying who gets, you know, to do what first, eat, etc. I mean, I, right. I don't think alpha really means physically dominant. So no, it right doesn't. And, re- and realistically, you know, if you look at what the behavior that naturally occurred was, it should be called a subordinate role. Because right. it's not the, al- the alpha's not rolling the other wolf, the wolf is rolling himself. And it's, like I said, it's an appeasement behavior, it's an I'm sorry behavior. So, yeah, the wolf that is in charge, the dog that is in charge, and also another flaw with these studies where they were done with wolves and not dogs. And while we are descended from chimpanzees, we are not chimpanzees. And well, yeah. Well, Dogs are descended, descended from wolves, you know, they are not wolves. They're 14,000 years away from, you know, probably, no, I'm sorry, not 14,000, 140,000 years away from <laughs> yeah, know, wolves, exactly. wolves relatives. So, you know, it, it's, it's a very different species at this point. And so you can't I, really make that comparison with wolves and dogs at this point. No, you can't. I mean, I agree with that. You can't extrapolate out and say wolf, wolf behavior is wolf dog or even dog to human behavior or dog I mean you can't and I think that our dogs they want to be a part of our everyday lives they want to please us and you know when you're doling out physical dominance as a pup parent this is actually probably reducing your your status in their mind because that's almost like a blatant like you don't need to go there so going there is a misuse of power Right, absolutely. And if you look at a successful dog pack or even a successful wolf pack, if you look at a wild wolf pack or a wild dog pack, the dog or the wolf who is in charge is the one who controls the resources and the access to the resources. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with your own dogs by just simply having them offer some sort of what we call deferential behaviors. I like to have my dog sit. I call it saying please. So if mm-hmm. your dog sits before you open the door and let them through, your dog sits before you put their leash on, but your dog sits before you put their food in their bowl and let them go and eat it. It's just a gentle, really clear, really concise way for your dog to understand that they must do a very gentle, deferential behavior for you in order to gain access to these things. And, and that's I really, the way a I successful like, animal controls the pack, is they control yeah, the resources. Yeah. And I really like that, too, because you are doing something very subtle. You're doing a gesture, very subtle, nonverbal, versus, you know, the dominance theory is this overtly, you know, overblown kind of behavior, be it yelling, (laughs) pushing, biting, making. I've even heard dominance theory trainers make these little, like, voice noises at at the dogs, you know what I mean? It's like, what the hell are you doing, you know? And I think that we, that's, I think that's sort of selling our dogs short to to think that they really think that we're dogs and engaging in dog-like behavior with them. You can use dog body language with them, like turning your back on them and things like that. But to think that they really think that your hand coming down and poking them on the side simulates a dog bite 
is very, 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 to me, just an almost ridiculous comparison to try to make, and it sells the dog very short as far as their intelligence level and their ability to discern humans from dogs. Absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, as dog lovers and as pet parents, you know, I really, really, really try to advocate just bring your dog to his potential. And this certainly is not going to do that. So you're saying appeasement appeasement moves are better to get the dog to do what you want. So sitting, what if you have a dog that's like pulling on the leash? So we're not going to advocate a choke chain <laughs> or a yank. What would you do instead? Of, you know, instead, what would be a positive reinforcement? Yeah, and just really quickly, it's, def- it's the deferment or deferential behaviors as opposed to appeasement behaviors. The appeasement behaviors are the I'm sorry behaviors. Okay, um, the- so the appeasement behavior, let me back up then, is when they put their muzzle to the ground yeah, and or they, roll they over. Or, or roll over, yeah, things like that. Those are okay, so the behaviors. deferential, the respectful behavior is the sitting Or you can wait for eye contact or have them wait just a moment. You know, it doesn't matter. You can choose which behavior you want them to offer as a way of asking for for whatever access they want or whatever resource they want. Okay, on eye contact. For me, personally, I use sitting. Okay, sitting is great. Yeah. What about eye contact? I've often heard people say, oh, I've heard trainers say you're not supposed to look at a dog in the eye. And I think we talked about this on our last show. And I, I think that's ridiculous. And dogs... If you're looking at a dog staring him down, that's one thing. But if you're just looking lovingly at your dog's eyes <laughs> and making well, eye contact. If it's, if it's your dog and they trust you and they know you, eye contact is absolutely fine. If it is a dog that you have never met before or who's one who seems, especially one who seems cautious or shy or timid, I would advise against trying to make eye contact with those dogs. But for your own dog, absolutely you can make eye contact with them because they know you, they trust you, they love you, and they're not threatened by that eye contact. But in a situation where you don't know a dog, I would never advise making eye contact unless the the person who was with the dog knows the dog and, and tells you it's fine. Yeah, um, because it is in dog dog language considered a direct threat to make you know a staring eye contact. In fact, yeah. just a split second moment of eye contact. I worked with a dog yesterday. Um, he's a very very timid dog, and just a split second moment made him turn around and, and run and hide behind the couch. So oh, you know you have to be really gentle with with some puppies, you know, and let yeah. work with them. By the end of the session, he was taking treats out of my hand and wagging his tail and loving me. But you know. right, right, right. But the you know, it's we are working on building that trust. You know, right. exactly. So what is? Let's say um, I do get a lot of people asking me about dogs pulling on their leash. What would be a positive reinforcement to try to get the dog to have a soft leash when they're walking? Um, well, to me, and the way that I train, I, I predominantly like to use positive reinforcement. Well, I do predominantly use positive reinforcement training. I like to use a marker or a clicker because it marks and rewards in the split-second moment that they've offered the correct behavior. Um, Which is clicker. so, I mean, think of how smart they are. I mean, yes. that's where we are like, oh, the dog pooped on the carpet, and you get home two hours later, and you're like yelling and screaming. It's like... You're not going to change that behavior right then. You've got to catch things as they're happening, don't you think? Right. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, the clicker. Tell me about clicker training. Well, clicker training, the clicker is what we call an event marker, and it's just a sound, and you can use a verbal marker. Sometimes I advise my clients to maybe, if they don't want to use the clicker, to use some sort of verbal marker, like using the word yes said in a kind of a high and short way. A lot of trainers use that. You can just as easily make a noise with your mouth if that, you know, was more convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a sound. It's, it's not praise. It's just a sound that they hear that is always followed by a treat. 
And so what they learn is this sound is good. I want to hear this sound. And they begin to offer behaviors, and you click when they offer the correct behaviors. And then they begin to make the association that, oh, when I do this, I hear the sound, but then the treat happens. I want to make that sound happen. And so they begin doing what we call throwing behaviors at you or offering behaviors that they think will earn the click and the treat. And so in that way, your dog thinks through and makes choices, and we reward the appropriate choices, and we either ignore or redirect or teach an incompatible version of the inappropriate behaviors. So, for instance, something like jumping, you can ignore the jump and then reward the behavior you do want, which would be sitting or having four feet on the floor or something like that. And with the clicker or a marker of some sort, you can capture that exact moment when the feet come off of you and hit the floor. Even if they jump right up again, you've been able to capture that moment. And after, you know, a little bit of clicker training, they become very, very astute at picking up when they've done what it is you want them to do, and they get better and better and better. And in fact, when I train my dogs now who are a little bit older and have always been clicker trained, I don't ever really say a word aside from praise. I just get out the clicker and the treats and wait for them to start offering behaviors, and then I mark and reward the ones that are close to what I want. It's really, really fun. They wag their tails. It's really powerful, and I really... Yeah, and it's positive. It's, you know, positive begets positive versus aggression begets aggression in my mind. Okay, well, we need to take a break real quick um, for our sponsors. We love you, sponsors, but hang tight, everyone. We're going to get back into talking about the dominance theory and conversely other modes of positive reinforcement that we advocate and prefer. So don't go away. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. 
to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. I'm Christine Latham, host of The Pampered Pooch. And I'm Vicki Nixon, your co-host. Ever get tired of people that say it's just a dog? Well, we do. It is a growing trend that people love and treat their pets like they are their children. This podcast series will be on topics inclusive of how people pamper their pooches, no matter how big or how small they are. On The Pampered Pooch, we'll talk about pet parties, happening social events, health, and nutrition. Each week, we pick a product of the week, a pooch of the week, and a pooch needing to be adopted. If you like to treat your pet like the royalty they are, then The Pampered Pooch is for you. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win With Dogs with me, Raquel Wynn, on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for hanging with us, everyone. We're back with Kat Martin of C-Spot Each, one of our other businesses. If you're here in Nashville and want some doggy treats, <laughs> go to C-Spot Eat. It's a wonderful store and bakery. You can go on her website, too, Kat's website, which is dogsandcat.com. And this is all in the bio page on Pet Life Radio's website. And Kat, we are back talking. I wanted to say um, you were talking about ignoring behavior, and I think this is so powerful just the withdrawal of affection and attention from the pup parent. And this is something that a lot of times we see people, if the dog's jumping up or pulling on the leash, the owner is going, no, no, bad, no, and just totally interacting with this dog. (laughs) And they're getting nowhere, you know. So ignoring is a great, powerful, powerful tool, I think. so. It is. It is. But to me, that's sort of half of the equation because you also need to, you know, by the same token, reward the behavior that you do want so they understand what does pay off. Yes. And and so that's why I like to, and your attention is what they're seeking when they're jumping on you. So if you, you know, just ignore, turn away, but also come the moment that they're on the floor and with the clicker, it's great. You can click and and offer a treat. Or if you don't have the clicker and you don't want to use a marker, you can just come down and pat the moment they're on the floor. If they start jumping, you turn away again. Exactly right. That's so important. Yeah. Put the rest of the equation in there or you'll have one sad puppy. (laughs) Wait, what's going on? Talk to me. Talk to me. So, yeah, let's talk about pulling on the leash a little bit. Okay. And one thing, can you get into, when you talk about this, the punishment? Because I see people spanking, swatting, choking, yanking, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that, too. Okay. Part of the dominance theory, and it's funny to me how many, you know, dominance theory trainers can uh, try to attribute everything from house training mistakes to trying to walk on a leash in front of you to dominance. The dog is not trying to be the boss of you by walking in front of you. They're simply excited about being on their walk. Or going in the door first, for that matter, at home. Right, or going in the door. And and that, you know, it doesn't really, they're not trying to be in charge of you by doing that. But when you, uh, what we tend to do, uh, you know, when we don't mean to, is we accidentally reinforce behaviors that we don't want. And then we get mad and, use, you know, some people get use punishment to um, let the dog know that they've done something wrong. And it's sort of this mixed message that they get because they're allowed all these, you know, 
access to getting on the couch and being petted whenever they come up and demand it and things like that. And you're not really establishing yourself. You're, you're sort of being a subordinate to them by engaging in offering behavior and offering rewards for those behaviors that you don't like when you don't really realize it. But then all of a sudden, every now and then, you decide to exert dominance over them by yanking on their leash, trying yeah. to pull them behind you. Keeping a dog on a very short leash or yanking on them whenever they get in front of you doesn't really teach them anything. And there is a lot of research, actually, uh, to back up the fact that uh, they've done autopsies on a lot of dogs who have had choke chains and prong collars and things like that used on them. And there's always some degree of vertebral and or esophageal damage oh, in I know. dogs. So my preference is to use something like a front loop harness, the harness that attaches at the chest, as opposed to the regular harness, which to me encourages a pull in a dog because it's almost a sled dog effect. You're pulling against them from behind, and so they're going to pull against you. It's the opposition reflex. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is teach the dog where to be in order to continue walking, and the reinforcement on a walk is continuing walking. So if every time they pull, you stop, and then when they come beside you, you click and treat or just treat and praise and then move forward and then they pull again and you stop. They come beside you, you move forward again. Then they start to figure out quite quickly, oh, I have to be beside mom or dad in order to continue my walk. Mm-hmm. But if I go out in front, my walk stops. And it yeah. takes a little bit of time and energy and effort at first, but when you let them think about it and you reward the appropriate choices and you know ignore, which is by stopping, you're ignoring the pulling, you're waiting for them to choose a different behavior, then they yeah. get it, and they get it quite quickly. And, and I, you know, work with dogs a lot where I, you know, train them for people. And they, you know, within a few days normally start to go, oh, okay, I see what I have to do. Not that they're perfect, but they begin to get the idea. Yeah, so and you're being consistent. It's you're all about consistency. Yeah, to- yeah, I totally believe in that. Even, you know, with my personal training and any human body work that I do, it's consistency over intensity. I mean, all the time. The the consistency is the key. So to have a great, healthy partnership with your dog, we need to establish rules and boundaries, not send mixed messages. Let your dog offer behavior. I'm just trying to sum up what we've we've talked about. Motivate your dog to have like, you know, reward-based kind of mentality. I don't want my animal to be in fear of me. I mean, honestly, that's just not... I don't think ruling with an iron fist, although my grandfather would totally disagree. <laughs> I don't think that's the right, <laughs> the right approach, you know. Yes. So definitely if you all are listening and you want to get some more information about some positive ways to work with your dogs, where can people find some of this stuff? Is there a website or a book um, that they can reference? Yeah, there's some wonderful books. Some right off the top of my head that I would recommend. There's a great book by uh, a really well-known positive reinforcement trainer named Pat Miller. And mm-hmm. she has a, a great book called The Power of Positive Training. And it teaches, you can teach tricks. You can, it describes very well how to teach basic manners, but also tricks using a clicker. Karen Pryor, who was the woman that sort of popularized use of the clicker in dog training, has a great website, clickertraining.com. She has videos and things on there. Even if you just were to go on YouTube and, and type in, you know, clicker training and dogs, you would come up with, I'm sure, a million different, you know, videos that you could watch. And yeah. just see the power of it and watch how well it works and how how much fun the dogs are having. And, you know, my very first dog, I didn't know any better. And I went into a class and they gave me a choke chain and said, put this on the dog. And and, and I I did it very briefly, but then I realized quite quickly as I was studying psychology at the time that there was a better way. 
and it's it's so much different to see him with his eyes lit up and his tail wagging and so excited about it versus when we went into that class when he was a pup and he had the choke chain and it's really, like really oh shoot what's about to happen <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know exactly. and yeah. you know I'm glad you said that because I think as pet parents sometimes we shame ourselves for not knowing any better at the time and doing stuff with our dogs that we now would never do but I I just encourage everyone to not shame yourself. Just get the knowledge you need and, you know, adapt. And I'm going to ask you, if you have a dog that you've had, cat, for like, you know, five years, six, seven, is it too late or will they pick up on I mean, let's say it's you've never trained never too late. Never it's too never late. Never, never. Late. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. And positive reinforcement training, I have people ask a lot of times, you know, when, at what age should I start my puppy with training? And my answer is as soon as you get your puppy. You know, there's there's some video available online of little tiny eyes not even open yet, puppies being clicker trained at a guide dog facility because they can hear, even though they can't oh. see, they can smell, and yeah. you can start working with them at very, very early ages. The, the old myth with dominant training, well, you had to wait because they're, they're you know, their necks weren't secure enough to have a choke chain put onto them, unfortunately. Gosh. Well, fortunately, so people would say you had to wait till a certain age to begin training your puppy. Well, that's not the case with positive reinforcement training because you that can. That is, yeah. You that's can work ridiculous. With them. Yes, absolutely. Another technique that Donna's trainers tend to use is one called flooding, where basically, or that's the vernacular that we use in psychology, but they basically, was- it's called flooding. So, for instance, if a dog was scared of something, and I've, I've seen situ- a situation where I followed in, I guess, uh, uh, on a program, um, the dog was scared of walking on a shiny floor because it was a very tall dog and it was very afraid of, of slipping and falling. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do as positive trainers is we would mark and reward little moments of maybe him walking or provide something safer for him to walk on at first, like maybe little carpet runners or things like that to get across the floor, get him associated with it, what we call desensitization and counter-conditioning. So have him, you know, step one step on it and we'd mark and we wouldn't make him do anymore. And then make two steps and, ha- and mark it and reward it and then, you know, let him stop. Let yeah. him go at the pace that he's comfortable with. But what flooding is, is taking the dog, basically they took this dog out onto the floor and just made him stand there and he was terrified. He was drooling, he was shaking and he oh. Finally, did what we call he, sh- he shut down. He went into a state that's known as learned helplessness. And the dominance trainer said, "Great, this is what we want. This is this is what we want. We, we want him to be calm. We want oh, him to be." Oh gosh, you know, so. I want to slap that person. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you I know? was scared, or the other thing is, you know, when dogs exhibit maybe reactive or aggressive behavior on leash, maybe they're nervous about men or maybe they're nervous about other dogs and we see that and someone punishes them, choke, gives them a, you know, a correction, so to speak, on a choke chain, then the association they may make is, wow, every time I see this thing that I'm afraid of, I'm punished. So it's yeah. like if you were afraid of tarantulas or spiders and every time you saw a spider, I smacked you, then yeah. you're probably going to really start to hate spiders. And so you have to be okay. very, very careful with punishment. And there's no way that we as humans could ever deliver the correct punishment the way that a mother dog or a pack leader, so to speak, and a dog pack would. There's no way that we can. So yeah. one, work with them from a place of happiness and yeah, I mean, these letting are your... them think and make choices and, and have positive reinforcement. Exactly. And, you know, you talk about flooding them with this behavior that they're terrified or, you know, the situation they're terrified of. And it just makes me think of 
I used to teach swimming, and I mean, <laughs> the, in the good old days, it was throw the kids in, and hey, you know, right. they better they better swim or they're going to drown. Well, how they many swim. Yes. how many adults have had to go to counseling for that one? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? exactly. On. So the bottom is, line is that, that dogs learn just essentially the way that we do. If a behavior is rewarded, yeah. it will be repeated. If it's not, it will essentially, you know, stop at some point. Yeah. So just, you know, they do what works. It's so fascinating to think. And, I mean, it's just amazing how much we can learn about ourselves and just relationships and behavior from our dogs. So this is another way, everyone out there, that, you know, just I totally invite you to get into some more positive modes. On that note, you know, with being, like we're saying, throwing your kid in the pool (laughs) and, and hoping they swim before they sink, I mean, that is just not using your, uh, authority benevolently. So, you're right, Kat. Positive reinforcement definitely is better, don't you think? I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Like, for instance, the bully members of a pack in a dog pack or a wild, you know, dog pack or a wolf pack are usually the middle-ranking members. If a bully actually does get in charge by some fluke, they are deposed very quickly because they can't really rule in a very uh, consistent and fair way if they're bullies. And it's the same goes for us if we have bosses that are bullies and that are mean to us or that, you know, if you had a a boss that came and, like, smacked you every time you did something wrong, then you wouldn't want to work for that person. But if you have a boss who rewards you and tells you a good job and gives you raises when you deserve them and bonuses, you really want to do a good job for that person. It's the same with our dogs. They really want to do things for us if we reward them appropriately. Yeah, and the same for our brains. I often call my brain the bully brain and tell it to butt out. <laughs> when it's nice to me, I want to I do a lot better. <laughs> That's great. That's absolutely true. So, yes, down with bullies, up with love. Um, Yay! Well, <laughs> thanks, Kat. We are running out of time, but, you know, when I see someone, Kat, with a choke chain on their dog, I never really say anything, but I do. I'm tempted to go up there and, and say something about it. I mean, do you ever say anything being that you're a trainer when you're watching people doing things quote wrong (laughs) is it hard for you to bite your tongue you know what i do is you know if my dog is with me i just show i just use my dog i use my dog to speak for me and let her you know offer these great well-trained wonderful behaviors that i've done all through positive reinforcement and i you know i have people come up to me a lot of times and and want to know how i taught her how to do this or how i taught her how to do this and rather than confront them about it because a lot of times they're not going to hear you. People, I can't blame people. People are just looking no. for answers. Exactly. And people go to yeah. the so-called experts. And, and there yeah. is no governing body that, you know, certifies dog trainers, unfortunately. So anyone can hang out a shingle and say that they're a trainer. Yeah. And yeah. that's a really sad state because, well, you know, Well, even they if may- there were a governing body, I mean, it would still be so... I mean, you know, there's so many different opinions. It's like... Some people are going to hear this and totally disagree with us. So for those of you that this resonates with, (laughs) please go to either clickertraining.com or to Kat's website and, you know, get some more information on how to positively reward your dog for the behavior you want, which is what it's all about, I think. And Kat, thank you so much for being with me again. You always have such great info. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good. Well, have a wonderful day. And all you out there, have a wonderful day. If you want more information, email me. If you want to know how to get in touch with Kat, you can email me at Raquel at Pet Life Radio. Until next time, 
I say go win with dogs. Have a great day. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs.